Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome to the Elite Achievement Community. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach here to demystify the goal achievement process. If you are ambitious and visionary, then let's get to work so you can maximize your potential and achieve your definition of success. Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome back to Elite Achievement. We are connected to technology on a daily basis, from our computers, to tablets, to cell phones, to the watches some of us wear on our wrist. Technology helps us run our businesses, stay connected with friends and family, and organize our lives. As great as technology is, there are risks with this hyper-connected world. I am intrigued to chat with today's guest, Johnny Upgrade. After a 35-year career in cybersecurity, Johnny retired to share his expertise and passion with the general public. He authored the book, Don't Hack, and hosts CyberDTV, which is the first streaming service dedicated to cybersecurity training for the general public. As I continue to grow my brand and extend my online presence, I am eager to learn more about this topic. Welcome, Johnny. Kristen, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm a fan. I've listened to so many of your podcasts, and they really motivate me. I'm not like the typical entrepreneur you've had on there. I have been a corporate man for my whole career. And I retired uh, when I was 56. I'm in my 60s now, and this is my chance to make my real contribution to society that I thought had passed. But now cybersecurity uh, is such a danger to society. I felt I had to jump in there and do something. I'm a senior myself, and we're the number one target for hackers. On the financial and on the other end, it's children with all these predators out there pretending that they're teenagers trying to lure other kids. We've got the uh, scammers and the social engineers and the hackers that are going after the elderly people with the online scams. And I get three calls a day sometimes for social security scams. And let me say this right now. Social security will never call you on the phone. Okay. If social security wants to contact you, they're going to send you something in the real mail, the snail mail, with a document. They don't just send you an email either. Social Security, IRS, Medicare, they don't operate like that. They'll send you an official document in the mail. My advice is, if you uh, have anyone that calls you that says they're in security, just hang up. Don't even talk to them. There is such a need for the education that you're providing with cybersecurity. And we'll dive into some ideas that you have to help the general public. But you said, Johnny, that you thought it passed. You were in corporate, you had a vision, and you thought it passed. But you retired and have now tapped into that vision. Tell us more about that. You know, I'm glad you bring it up, Chris. It was so discouraging to be a person that wanted to contribute to society. I was actually before my time. I went to an IBM computer school in 1982 where I learned four different computer languages. And at the end of it, um, this was a year-long course, very, very intense. 
and you couldn't work. You had to punch in to this course 40 hours a week for a year. And at the end of the year, they uh, passed only five of us. And they asked me, what did I want to do? And I said, I want to be into computer security. And they said, what's that? <laughs> so I thought this has got to happen, that there's going to be crooks out there. They're going to take advantage of this. It just seems so obvious to me. And I was inspired to cybersecurity because I started out the wrong side of the law myself. I was a teenager and I had read an article in Esquire magazine in 1972 about this thing called phone freaking. And that was where people would uh, get free phone calls. So that's what I started doing. I became a phone freak when I was about 15. And I would make free calls by manipulating the AT&T phone system. And that went on for a while. And I didn't think I was hurting anybody because against the corporation, they could just write it off. No blood was spilled. There was you know, no violence. It was just you know, on their books. But what actually happened was um, two FBI agents came to my grandmother's house asking who was making all of these calls. And then across the country where I was, a team of FBI agents was going door to door asking all the people in my neighborhood who was making all these unbillable calls from the community pool because that's where I was doing it from. And it turns out that what I thought was just nothing, a joke, a goof, way to make free calls turned out to be a a federal offense called interstate theft of services. Oh my gosh. And each charge came with up to a 10-year prison term. And I had called over 50 times. <laughs> so I thought I was in big, big trouble. But the thing was, the FBI had so much on their plate at that time. Nixon was resigning and Vietnam War you know, was ending. There were protests in the streets. So they were maxed out trying to take care of big things. But AT&T and the FBI weren't happy about it. You know how everyone catches a break in their life? Well, that was my break. I caught my break there. And that made me think, wow, what if I was on the other side of the law catching criminals or stopping it? And uh, it made me feel like that would be a lot more stable way uh, to live my life. And 45 years later, it turned out to be the best decision I ever made. Now, I did have a lot of nervousness over the years. I've always felt like there was a sword hanging over my head that this could be revisited at any time. So I kept everything sort of on the down low. I guess it was good. Years later, I became the uh, network director for the C-17 program at McDonnell Douglas. It was a $41.8 billion program. To get that position, I had to get top secret or higher clearance. So the FBI went back to my neighborhood again, and they were asking questions about me. And I was sure that something would come up. You know, someone would say, oh, yeah, he used to do this, uh, make calls. Or... Nothing ever happened. They just gave me the clearance, and uh, I caught break number two. And uh, it just made me doubly convinced and grateful that I was on the right track. And I always was waiting for the cybersecurity field to break open. I'd been telling my friends and my family since the 80s that 
And this is the next big thing because then viruses started to come out in the 90s. And I was on the cutting edge of that. I would uh, have programs from the server that would install them on all the corporate PCs around 40 offices around the world. So the PCs would get their updates and be installed instead of having a person go around and install it on every single PC. That's how it started. Just like you at home, right? You would install antivirus on your single computer. Well, you could imagine the company I was working for, I think it had 3,200 people at that time. And someone had to take care of uh, the servers in their region to do the updates. And it wasn't even a thing at that time. And then Norton, uh, who I would highly recommend to anyone who's doing antivirus to get their program. And I don't get any money from Norton. Governments and corporations have a massive amount of jobs that they can't fill. And the reason um, for that is because a lot of people don't think they're qualified. If you knew someone that said they wanted to get into cybersecurity, you might have asked them, what is cybersecurity? And they say, I don't know. I just know it sounds like an opportunity. It's going to be the next coming thing. Well, companies will hire people with no college degree. They'll hire them with no programming experience, which a lot of people think they need. Cybersecurity defense is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's something that's a grind that has to go on day after day after day. In my world, we would not only have to build our servers and our network to certain standards, but would have to implement them in perpetuity, which I guess sort of means forever, but no server will live forever. <laughs> but we have to uh, make sure that they work uh, in compliance, which is the next step, compliance for the life of the server. And then we get audited by internal audits where they see that we did the implementation correctly. And then not only that, but we're complying correctly. And it could be a server that's up five years, 10 years. I would have 15 of my servers picked every month sometimes that I have to defend. And it would be like defending your thesis in college against the professors. What people don't realize is that the hackers are, are, are a big factor, of course, but there's also the internal factors where if someone didn't follow the proper procedures, they could wipe out the work for a bunch of people. Just think of someone that's a super smart programmer. They put in some time bomb of a program and uh, they leave and then it's scheduled to go off later and it's buried between so many layers of stuff that you know you don't know about it till it starts erasing all this information or copying it out to their destination and if they do it in the right way in small amounts then you know it won't be noticed because if you try to copy a whole volume of information over a network that's a red flag right away but if you're just copying little dribs and drabs, no one's going to notice. I don't know if you were aware of solar winds, but they basically do what Apple does, where they would do an update to your computer, just update sort of information. They had 18,000 customers that they updated with malicious software because hackers had gotten in and tampered with their system. 18,000 customers and tons of government. Uh, customers too. So what did that mean to me? Well, I know the policies, processes, and procedures had, had failed somewhere along the line, but the funny thing is, every time I hear about this big break-in, the CEO or someone high up in the company and a spokesman will come out, 
this was the most sophisticated attack we've ever seen. And what I say is it's the most lazy response I've ever heard because it means that you don't even follow your own policies or procedures. And if you're not, that means you don't have any and you're really running on three wheels. <laughs> and that, that's why we need people to really understand what's going on. And that's what Cyber DTV will do. And that's what my book will do. It's going to demystify all of this lingo that and glossary that sounds so um, hard for people to understand, but I break it down into easy to understand terms. And it's a tried and true approach for me because in 35 years, I've trained countless numbers of IT people on uh, methods that I relate to everyday life. I'll use these analogies that will just uh, make it like a picture in their mind and they'll be able to catch the fundamental. Once you have the fundamental of something, then you could build on it. But if you don't catch the fundamental, everything seems like you're lost and you're drifting. You don't know why things are happening. And I, I can't tell you how many people just have that eureka moment when they, it finally connects. And that's, that's my passion because I enjoy teaching people. And uh, I pass all this knowledge on in my CyberDTV videos in my Don't Hack book. And there's over 4 million jobs that are open in cybersecurity. I don't see 4 million jobs. I see 4 million careers because cybersecurity is exploding. It's not going anywhere. You've got a ton of experience with corporations and protecting large-scale businesses. What should a, a small business owner like myself be aware of when it comes to building an online presence? I actually had an article published um, where I give my A to Z tips for any company. It doesn't matter if they're big or small. And it really doesn't cost that much, you know. The major corporations I work for would spend tens of millions of dollars, but if they're taking in billions, you know, tens of millions of dollars on cybersecurity is a drop in the bucket. It doesn't matter how big or how small, a company has to have a company policy for someone, then you have to have a process on how the workflow should go, and then you need a procedure. And the procedure is actually the details, the nitty gritty, gritty details. Say your company has the policy that only a full-time employee can get administrator privileges. Now, the process is, say a guy is hired and the manager uh, wants them to do this software development work and the guy puts in for administrative privileges. He's a contractor, right? The manager just doesn't really notice it at first because he hired them. He just wants them to do the job. And it's all through a request system anyway. The, the user will put that through. And uh, then the manager will approve it and then it goes to the, the final person who's the actual person that creates the account on the machine. So the policy is there's no contractors uh, that can have an administrator um, ability on a server. Then the process is they put in a request, a manager will approve it, and then it goes for implementation as a user account on that server. And then the procedure is whoever is the administrator on it does all the little things that it takes. They build the account, they give them the privileges, they give them a home drive, you know, and whatever they need to do, they'll do it there. So in this kind of case, uh, say a contractor would put in that request, it would be against company policy. 
And it would go to the manager and the manager might not even know it's against company policy because they're so focused on this release date. And the implementer will check and it'll come back, this guy's a contractor, and they'll just kick it back to the manager and say, hey, do you really want this guy to have administrative privileges because it's against our policy? And if you do want him to do it, if it's absolutely necessary, then you have to go up the chain and get a vice president's approval, a waiver. Okay, so then the manager has to say, is my career going to be on the line by giving someone access they don't really need? And they'll ask the person, um, do you really need this? And I've heard this so many times. They'll say, oh, it would be nice. <laughs> That's not the kind of response that because no manager wants to go to a VP and ask for something that exposes them to, to future problems. Trust me. You know, because then if that happens, the VP is going to come down on them with both feet. And uh, they'll actually ask a bunch of questions before they even, you know, approve that and, and uh, let that go. So that's an example of policy, process, procedure that is correct all the way through the line. Even though it's done in the wrong way, at the end, it doesn't get implemented because it's caught and it goes back. And that happens every day on, on all these different things. On one of the articles that I published is a series of policies that people can follow in processes and procedures. I think it all comes down to control for you, Kristen, as a small business owner. And that means don't give your password to anybody. Don't allow anyone access to do something that might cause you problems. Every user account has to be assigned to a single person for accountability. No one can have the administrator password but you. They may have administrator abilities, but you'll know who went in and did it because it'll have their name. So you'd see the access was by C. Johnson at two o'clock in the morning, okay, when something strange happened. Now you have someone to send the police after, C. Johnson, and C. Johnson's not going to do anything because they know they came in through that account. But you alone will have the administrator password and the account. So I would say to every business right away, Every user account needs to have an individual assigned to it. There's no sharing of passwords. There's no sharing of accounts. And also, you have to know what level of access to give them. If you give them access across the board to be an administrator, then that defeats the purpose. As a small business owner, you need to back up your data. There's nothing more critical than having your data backed up. All it takes is one accident, an internal uh, shoot yourself in the foot cybersecurity error that will set you back. So I would get whoever is in charge of IT, sit down and, and say, are we doing backups every day? It doesn't have to be a full backup. There's things called incremental backups too that will cover the, just the difference between the weekly backup and then each day it'll copy what hasn't uh, been copied on, say, Sunday. Sunday is a good night to do it because there's hardly any changes. Another thing I would say is standardization. If I was starting a company, I would make sure I bought everybody the same exact laptop model. That would cut down on the support costs of me having to fix them. It would be like, I bought everyone a BMW and I have a BMW mechanic on board and he knows how to handle everything. But if I bought one person a Cadillac, I bought a BMW, I bought an Audi, I bought a Ford uh, Prius, 
bought all these different cars, well, what happens then? Then you have to have all these different tools and you have to have all these different parts and there's no standardization. You really need to set standards right from the start. Let's talk about the listeners hanging out socially, posting online. What recommendations do you have to protect our data and information in this digital world? The holy grail of any kind of scammer or hacker is your social security number. If they have your social security number, they could build off of that. And, you know, it's not that hard to get a driver's license. It's not that hard to get an address. All that stuff is pretty easy, but a social security number is very unique. So with that being said, if someone gets your social security number, then they, you know, try to buy things like houses and boats. And you've heard about certain situations where people find out they have a mortgage in Alabama. How'd that happen? You know, I don't know. Well, it happened because they got your social security number and then you didn't have credit monitoring services, which is my second recommendation to anybody is to get a subscription to a credit monitoring service. I have three of them myself. I have Identity Guard, I have Norton's LifeLock, which comes with the antivirus bundle that I got. And the third one is through AAA. And I'll get alerts from them saying, there's been suspicious activity on your credit history. You need to check it. And then I can uh, go and check what's going on, see what's happening. And um, the other thing is never click on a link in your email that's unsolicited because that's a phishing scam. It may look like the Amazon logo saying your Amazon account is messed up and you need to fix your password. Click on this link. You put your username in, put in your password. Well, what you just did was you gave the scammer your password. It just hacked you and it doesn't take much time to do it. I can do a copy and paste and create an email in seconds almost. And they're horrible what they do. They're so lazy, but you can see all kinds of misspellings and stuff no corporation would do officially. Why would Amazon need you to fix your account unsolicited? If it was your account, it would be everybody's account, you know? And if you tried to do something on Amazon, it would be within the Amazon app. Or when you were trying to log in, you'd have a problem, you, you forgot your password, and you would do it through their system and you would, uh, they forgot my password. They'd know your email inside Amazon and they'd send you a temporary reset, but some shady unsolicited email that pops up that says, you've got a problem. We need you to fix your password. Take a good look at it. And uh, of course, antivirus. If you don't have antivirus on your computer, and I recommend it Norton because now it's just not viruses. It's any kind of... Uh, Malicious software that comes out that can do so many different things. Malicious software is going to do bad things to your computer. It might damage files. It might start uploading uh, personal information from your photos to a hacker. Uh, stuff you think is safe because only you took the picture. And next thing you know, you're getting a blackmail note saying it's going to be uh, put on your Facebook page and your whole family is going to see it and be embarrassed and, uh, you got to pay a ransom. I would be remiss 
If I didn't ask you about keeping kids safe online, uh, I have a daughter. I know my daughter seems to be a bit more tech savvy than I am. She spent a ton of time on Zoom and school and knows how to use features that I don't. What are some of the things that parents can do to keep their kids safe online? First, I have to say kids can be irrational about social media. That's what parents have to expect right off the bat. Because they'll say, well, Jimmy's parents don't make him do this. And, and the thing is, there's two things, really. Communication and controls. The first thing is communication. And sit down and have a tough, no-win conversation with your child. And you're the parent. So you, know, you can't be their friend on this because it's too dangerous. First thing is setting guidelines, clear guidelines for your children to follow so that they know if they do any of these things, that they're stepping over the line. There's no gray area where they can say, well, you didn't say I couldn't do this. Well, you didn't say I could do that. They have to know that if they cross over the line, that there's going to be consequences and that you're going to follow through. And this will be a battle. This could be like the biggest war that a parent and a kid will have because parents and kids throughout history have always had conflicts but i don't think there's anything like this social media thing that goes to the next thing okay with the communication and this is a big big ask i mean this this they'll go through the roof on this but if you want to be a good parent you have to do it um my friend had done with his kid and it caused a big rift for a while but he told her that before she posts anything online, she has to get his permission, whether it's a picture or a video. And I'll tell you why. There's a thing called the Wayback Machine. It's an internet archive that reporters use, that employers use, that law enforcement use. And it doesn't matter if you put something up there, if you delete it, it's there forever on the internet. Forever. An archive, forever. Tell your kids that don't ever allow anyone to take a photo of you with your phone or their phone that's going to get posted on the internet that's provocative or can get you in trouble. I've seen it happen to people and it's not going to go away. That is such a powerful lesson for all of us to be mindful of what you are posting. And I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that there is this way back machine. And even if we think we delete the post or we delete the account, it can still be found. Really important. Absolutely. Every story you read from now on, it'll probably come up that uh, you'll see on Twitter. They deleted the post, but we were able to pull them from when they did such and such. Going back to the kids and communication, that's why it's so important to tell them that they cannot post anything without your approval. And there's so much more to cover on communication, obviously. Parents can look at my tips and see uh, what what areas are covered there. But the controls, first thing is if you're buying their phone, it will come with uh, either a Find My iPhone built in on the Apple phones or some other kind of app. And what that means is that you'll be able to GPS location them. If they go somewhere that you don't want them to be, then you'll see it right away. And that goes to my other tip. Never brag about how you found out 
they're doing what they're doing because kids are tricky. They're not going to do it that way anymore. They'll turn off their phone if they're going to a place they know you're going to be able to see them or, you know, they'll give it to their friend to go to hang out at a safe place and they'll use their other friend's phone to, to do things. So, you know, you got to just be sly about it yourself. Definitely that's one control. Another is put parental controls on their computer or their phone or whatever devices they have. So they can't go to adult websites that you don't want them to see and that you can limit their screen time. So those are definitely two big things. Another one is um, have a thing called um, Web Watcher or an equivalent app where you can monitor from remote what apps they're kicking off and what they're actually doing, not just where their location is, but what they're doing. And it's not unethical. They're their parents. Your job is to keep them safe. Communication and control. If they have those two things, Almost every single situation falls under those two. And probably throwing another C is consequences. Communication, control, and consequences. Because without consequences, the other two really don't matter. Kids have to know that uh, they get the equivalent of being grounded. You know, like we got, they're going to have their phone taken away. They're going to have their computer uh, taken offline for a week. They're not going to be able to be connected to their friends. And it's weird how they can get connected these days, too. You may think that you have them blocked off all the way, but they'll go on their Xbox. And with Xbox, you can connect also in, in Google Hangouts. You don't need to have an app. You can go to Google Hangouts. So there's so many different avenues. If a parent hears about WhatsApp, if they hear about WeChat, if those are different apps that just do the same thing as connecting um, and texting with people, except there's so many of them nowadays, you can't even keep up with them. Kids can just keep installing them. So I would, I would say it's almost like you have to block them from installing apps on their phone and computer unless you give approval for that, too. I mean, it's a lot of approvals, but once they're conditioned to it, they'll know that you're being fair. And that's where I say, you know, the punishment has to fit the crime. The parent can't overdo it. You know, otherwise the kid will say, hey, they're going to punish me anyway, you know. They're going to take away my phone just for the smallest thing. I might as well go for it. Johnny, you've shared a lot of information around the cybersecurity industry, how small business owners can think ahead and put in place those policies and procedures and processes, how we as listeners can make sure we're monitoring our credit and never clicking on unsolicited links. I know you have a lot of additional tips and insight, both in your book, Don't Hack, as well as on CyberD TV. Johnny, if our listeners want to learn more about cybersecurity and you, where can they find you? CyberD TV. I'm going to be um, on the Vimeo platform. What I've done is created, it's like Netflix for cybersecurity. If you go to my uh it's a network, it's not even a channel. It's like I own a YouTube, basically. And they'll go in, they'll have the same exact experience as they would at Netflix. They'll see all these uh, thumbnails. They could click on uh, categories that they like. Uh, I'll have collections for older people. I'll have tips for parents. I'll have all of the things I talked about at the corporate world. I'll have, I have uh, over 100, uh, I call them cyber pop quizzes that are in my book too, that people can test themselves against my knowledge and see where, where they come out. They can go to my website, which will redirect them to subscribe to CyberDTV. 
we will make sure to link CyberDTV and some of your articles that have been published in the show notes. With that goal achievers, keep celebrating your weekly wins, noting your lessons learned, and identify your priorities for next week so you can consistently pursue progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are feeling inspired and want to join the Goal Achievers community, visit my website, kristenberg.com to sign up and get connected. We can also hang out socially on Instagram. Follow me at Meet Kristen Burke. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, Goal Achievers, keep progressing toward your goals and celebrate those weekly wins.